So welcome back, Dr. Peterson. Um, so today we're going to talk about stress and control. So why don't we start off with, I guess, just talking about the relationship between the two. Well, I think that's that's a, a good way to start, because if you actually look at stress, um, one of the major stressors that we have is a feeling of lack of control. Yes. And feeling that we don't have a sense of predictability, that mm -hmm. things are predictable. Uh, we do all sorts of things to try to control our lives. We try to make them predictable. We try to make them so we can assure the outcomes the way we want them to be. Yeah. Uh, some people are more prone to this than others. I yes. think people who are more <laughs> achievement oriented or goal oriented, like we, what we call manifest type A behaviors, um, they tend to like to control things yeah. and they have a, more, a propensity to want to control things because they have certain goals they want to achieve and certain, mm -hmm. th certain outcomes that they want. And in order to do that, sometimes you have to control things, situations, people. Right. Um, right. It's not just going to fall in your lap sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, versus a type B, which, which, and these are extreme personality types, but type B be more laid back, um, more relationship oriented. They're less apt to control things in terms of more as, as compared, compared to a type A, but they still do have a sense right, of control because yeah, yeah. people do want a sense of predictability. I mean, what would be more stressful than going down the road, driving down the road and not having a sense of that the driver coming towards you was going to stay on right, their side of right, the road. Yeah. <laughs> if things were unpredictable, driving would be real stressful, <laughs> very stressful. So, so we do try to control things so that we have a sense of predictability. We have a sense of knowing what's going to be the outcome. Uh, this makes our lives, we makes us feel less distressed, mm -hmm. but when we don't have that control and whether it be in relationships, whether it be in, in job uh, um, attributes or functions or opportunities, whether we don't have control in, in just, you know, our financial situation, all these things can lead to a sense of distress Yeah, and, and give us a sense of anxiety. So then, well, yeah, because of this, I guess like what, I guess, what are certain ways that people can control their stress? Oh, there's all sorts of yeah. ways <laughs> that people do. I mean, we, we tend to look at things, you know, if you kind of break it down, there's different ways that people control. The, there, we, the first basic area is primary control and secondary control. Right. Primary control would be taking active action. So you're doing something to directly affect mm -hmm. the outcome. So I'm controlling the situation by... Doing this, doing this. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that this happens. Right. So you do everything in your power to do that. So that would be direct control. An example of, for example, if you get, were di diagnosed with some kind of ailment right? and in uh, you, in order to gain control back of your health, right. Which your illness would be a type of stressor, mm -hmm. right. You would do certain things directly, maybe taking certain types of prescriptions, maybe doing certain behaviors, exercising more, right, right. Uh, eating better, being more uh, in control of your diet, but mm -hmm. you would be doing specific things right. uh, that would relate to that. And then you have secondary control. And this is sort of, you kind of gain control through other things and other people. And uh, a couple of ways, there's many ways that people do that. Um, and in certain cases, uh, you're looking at things such as, you know, um, illusory control, mm -hmm. like you, you sort yeah. of create an illusion of what is control or you know, what's uh, vicariously living through other people or using right. other people to gain control through a situation. Uh, we also do things such as um, uh, trying to assign meaning to things. Uh, yeah. We call it retrospective control. Yeah, this one's really interesting. Well, <laughs> well, the idea that you're trying to assign, why did this happen to me? Mm -hmm. Why is this happening? To go through life 
and, and it goes back to the predictability element is that if you if everything's unpredictable and, and everything happens at random, it's really would be very stressful every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when things do happen to us that we can't necessarily account for because we acted in a certain way and we hoped it would lead right. to a desired outcome, we try to assign meaning to it. Why did this happen? Well, this happened because I needed to learn a lesson or mm-hmm. I'm doing this because God wanted me to go in a different direction or uh, we, we, or this is there because it helped me to grow or we try to right. assign a meaning, a positive thing to it to give it context. So it's more manageable. And in yeah. essence, it becomes a form of it's controlled, it's contained. Yeah. And, and those are things that I think people do quite often as a means of dealing with the stressors of their lives. I mean, this isn't true, especially for very traumatic situations where people or family members who they, who they really value and love have some calamity or trauma that occurs to them. And people will try to assign a meaning to that. Like, right. why does my child have this disease? Yeah, because I also think it's it can also give people maybe like a sense of comfort. It does. It, it's a sense of, it's, we almost it's a type of self-comfort. It isn't yeah. based on, you know, people have faith systems and belief systems that they, they, they plug into, but it allows them uh, to do that. Yeah. But, but coming back again, even to, to primary control, I mean, we do things behaviorally that will mm-hmm. act in certain ways yeah. to try to control the, the stressor that's, that's impacting us. We also have a lot of cognitive uh, means. A popular one is just avoiding the situation at yes, all and not yes. even thinking about it. <laughs> Some people will yes. just say, I'm not going to think about that. So there's what we call in cognitive um, stress uh, responses. It's, it can be an avoidant or a non-avoidant strategy. Mm-hmm. So you can avoid it. You know, and I'm not going to deal with this. Yeah. I'm just going to put it off. Procrastinators are sometimes notorious for, you know, yes. putting things off. Well, it's a sort of uh, a way of dealing with the stressor of a, an assignment mm-hmm. or a responsibility that they have to do. And rather than jumping in and right. getting, get, getting it done, they put it off until eventually it becomes really stressful. Yeah. And that's a, that would be sort of an ineffective cognitive strategy that yes, leads to I'd a very so. stressful <laughs> behavioral response. Yeah. Uh, but again, that's something. Yeah. And then you can also talk about information, like having a a certain amount of information that you need. And a lot of times people try to gain control over stressors in their life by gaining more information about whatever it is that's stressing them. Mm -hmm. For example, if you have an illness or or some kind of disease, well, a lot of people go online. They'll start looking everything up and reading everything. Well, that's a form of of control or informational control. Uh, they're trying to to uh, do in order to get a handle of it, to make mm-hmm. sense out of it, to get a control of the situation in which they face. Right. And sometimes like too much information or too little, it kind of, you know, depends on what the well, person yeah. wants. Yeah. Well, you can have too much information that overwhelms you and makes you more yeah. stressed, yeah. or you could get more information than you care to, which can make you more stressed. Yes. I give the example is before I went for hip surgery, I didn't I didn't want to know anything about right, it. I right. did have a sense of trust in my surgeon. Yeah. Uh, but you know, people said, "Oh, go online and look at a YouTube video of a of a hip surgery," and I said, "No, because <laughs> it's hammers and, the, and, right, and saws." Right, right. And, and I said, "I'm not really in drills." I said, "I'm not really interested in that." Um, so you know, but it, to see all that beforehand, I think it would have stressed me out. Uh, yeah. To go in with a little <laughs> bit of less information, other yeah. than the success rate was very mm-hmm. high and that kind of thing, which is right. which was that's com- what you need to focus on. Well, yeah, yeah. That's, exactly. It was very comforting versus you know, here's what actually goes on in the room while you're while you're under. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to know that kind of information. Yeah. Because that's what happened to me with uh, 
my wisdom teeth surgery because in high school I did a rotation at an orthodontist where they did that. So I got to see it years before I ever had to do it. And I just kept going back to that. And I was yeah. like, I, I can't. <laughs> oh, yeah. It can really be co- quite troublesome. So you know, oh, yeah. basically primary and secondary control. And there's lots of different ways that we adapt in order to the stressors that we experience. Yeah. So I've also, um, I guess not today, but I have heard you use this term called graded inoculation. And I know that that's um, another means to kind of increase your control. Yeah, graded inoculation, if you think about being inoculated or vaccinated, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where you give a little bit of something. So they build up sort of immunity to a a particular virus or uh, and, and that allows the, you to respond better when you are under those, you know, right. uh, we call it a viral attack. Uh, but in, in situations in life, when you're dealing with that stressor, um, if you get a little bit of that stressor at the beginning, you begin to learn to adapt to it and you learn behavioral strategies, cognitive yeah. strategies, whatever my retrospective, all sorts of things yeah. that you learn to adapt to it. And then you can take on higher levels of that stressor as, as they come about. Right. A good example of this is public speaking. And oh, one of yes. the things that people hate <laughs> is public speaking. They don't like it and it becomes, you know, a fearful thing. And, but if you start them off just talking one-on-one and mm-hmm. then you get them to talk and open up, a lot of times it's just talking, yeah. right? and do that. And then let's say a small group and then you increase the size. Well, that small group, Eventually, you can make it larger and they can take on a greater stress. Right. And with it comes practice and they learn their different things and their skill sets go mm-hmm. up. And that's another means of, of behaviorally controlling things. But inoculation allows you to begin to um, handle things at a lower level to learn to adapt so you can deal with higher levels of stress. Right. Before and you just jump right in and then yeah. it's too much. We use the example of, you know, skydivers, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. So skydivers <laughs> yeah. are, you know, a, a, an experienced skydiver right? Versus a rookie skydiver. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a rookie skydiver is, you know, just before their, you know, their hands are white knuckled on the edges of the door yep, before yep. they go out, <laughs> um, you know, they're extremely stressed. That's when they're most yeah. stressed. But an experienced skydiver is someone who is more, most stressed the night before Yeah, when they're actually going through the scenario and, and doing that. And they're right. actually reduced their stress at the time of the actual red light jump, but you got to jump is, now. It's that's crazy to think about, but it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it, exactly. And then, it, but the idea is that they've got inoculated, they've got, they've learned to adapt mm-hmm. to the stressor. They've learned techniques in right. order to adapt to that stressor to lessen its impact on them over time. And it's a form of direct control, right? what they're doing. So graded um, stress inoculation is one of the things that people do a lot really to try to uh, do impulse control, you know, so right. to, how do you get people not to be so impulsive? Yeah. Right. Um, we use things such as, you know, uh, trying to get them to uh, pay attention to what they need to pay attention to and, and not pay attention mm-hmm. to the things they shouldn't pay attention yeah. to. Uh, again, those are techniques, cognitive strategies, but they all help work in terms of trying to control the stress that someone is experiencing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And then, other techniques? I know you mentioned um, grooming, which I thought was kind of interesting because you can also do that like personally, like yeah. for yourself rather yeah. than, you know. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. well, grooming is, is an interesting concept. I mean, it's gotten a, uh, it's used oftentimes in a bad way. We think about grooming right. people for to do acts that they wouldn't normally do or behaviors right. they wouldn't normally do. Um, 
and but grooming is really beginning to inoculate person to lower levels of exposure to something until they eventually get used to that and then higher levels of exposure become more easily adaptable yeah and so if you had a specific thing that was stressful to you and you were able to handle it again at a lower level and we kind of groom you to react to it in a positive way over time um or or we'll say in a less stressful way over right, time right uh that would be again it's, a, it's sort of a it's a it's a form of a behavioral modification yeah so then also i guess this could probably go back to some kind of retrospective control like um trying to find the meaning in something but um believing in a just world how that can also create a sense of control well, yeah, they, belief in a just world, that things are fair, that there, things happen for a reason. Yeah. Um, no matter what they are. I think things we've talked about in the past, like, uh, you know, a whole flood of a town. Like, right. why did this happen? Right. right? What, what's the justice in that? Yeah. Right? When, when calamity happens or when some kind of natural event occurs that sort of wipes yeah. everyone yeah. out. Like, how right? is that fair? Yeah. 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 How is that fair? We call them acts of God, right? Yeah. You know, well, clearly unfair God, right? You mm-hmm. know, but people have a hard time re- with the concept of life not being fair. I mean, a lot of people say, you know, there has to be a reason. There has to be some form of justice. Like if I did good, I didn't want a reward. If, if I did right. bad, well, then I get a penalty. Right. So and that we, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and that's what most of us think, and and oftentimes, but reality is, you know, that's not the case, yeah. right? Good people oftentimes get bad outcomes, yes. and and bad people get oftentimes good outcomes, right? Because not everything is predictable, as we've learned, <laughs> right? Exactly, and so that can be very stressful. I mean, yeah. people will see that and say, "Why did this person get this?" We know what kind of person that yeah, is, you know? yeah. And you, so you have this kind of uh, play, but. Because you're ultimately going back to this ultimate belief that things are just mm-hmm. that something there has. Good has to be rewarded in the end. Right. And or if there is some kind of outcome that is negative in your life, you know, the belief in justice that th- things perhaps happen for a good reason right. if you are good or right. for a bad reason if you are mm-hmm. not good. Um, these things people do play with their minds a lot as a means of trying to control the situation. The stressor occurred. There's got to be a reason for this. I believe in a just world. Right. But believe in a just world can also be highly stressful mm-hmm. when you can't make sense out of the outcome. Yeah. When you know you played by the book, you did everything well, and all of a sudden it didn't work out that way, right? And you may have been falsely accused mm-hmm. or penalized for something that you didn't do. Where's the justice in that? Right. But this is the thing, and this is that's more in the reality. And so sometimes the belief in the just world can actually precipitate additional stressors yeah rather than thinking all right things are generally unfair life is kind of crappy sometimes yeah. and people act very let's say nefariously yeah. right and, and then you've got to face the reality and that's it. the reality yeah. it's not you right and, yeah. and this is the problem i think people find themselves in this just world belief system which is a means of trying to yeah. control the situation they go down this path and, and they're wrestling with why do bad people why do bad things happen to good people yeah and that's the ultimate question that people ask, like, why did do bad things happen to good people? And it could be through no fault of their own, but that's the reality of the way things yeah. are. And that kind of flies in the face of our need for predictability. Mm-hmm. See, I want to know right, right. that if I act well and I do right. well. Like then, a black and white kind of yeah, situation. Yeah, and then yeah. I want good outcomes to happen. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing we wrestle with is learning to adapt to the reality that life is generally not 
fair. In fact, sometimes it's pretty scary out there and sometimes it's kind of harmful. Oh, yeah. And we have to try to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. And this is when people will fall onto various uh, faith systems, belief systems to try to um, make sense out of things. Sometimes those can be positive. Sometimes those can be very negative, Mm -hmm. how they put it together. Um, But the idea is, is that a a belief in a just world can be, you know, problematic. The other thing is, is that when people take it too far, right, right, and they take it too far in, in justice, and they want to impose their view of justice on everyone yes. else, yeah, like I believe this is just. Well, this is one of the problems that people have often discussed related to social justice mentalities. Right, is the idea that everything is socially just. Well, who defines what is socially just? Right, it's and, very individualistic. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's it, you know how do you how do you account for everyone's behavioral choices, their background, their genetics, right. their 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 time in history, where they live, yeah. you know, the, the, the just all sorts of things that happen to people. And you try to make things socially just. Mm-hmm. This is when it breaks down because clearly through no fault of their own, bad things happen to good people. Yeah. And through no merit of their own, good things happen to bad people. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the reality. The only way you can get around that is to play God and make people say or believe that what you believe as the right right way of being just, that is what's socially just. And that's the problem with the social justice argument and often why social justice becomes in and of itself a stressful situation. Yeah. 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 So we keep talking about um, how to increase your sense of control and all of that. But what about or like when is a situation or why do people necessarily like try to give up control sometimes well that's you know that's one of the things i read a book i forget the title of it, it was a number of years ago but the whole premise or thesis of the book was it's, it's important to learn to be able to give up control yeah and the reasoning behind that was when you seek a control oriented life you can't win because yeah. most things are beyond your control yes kind of goes back to the serenity prayer right mm-hmm. you know uh, change the things you can right yeah, and, yeah. And, and and but the things you can't let it go mm-hmm. right and and that's kind of what people have to get their head around and yeah. some people have a you know based on their personalities that's a really hard thing oh, to do yeah. yeah and it creates a lot of distress um and because there are most things you can't can't do very well or control very well i remember i had a professor years ago who who had this sort of adage he said the wind, uh, the the reed, it is a grass reed, like mm-hmm. can't tell the wind what to do. Yeah. Right? So you, you basically have <laughs> yeah. to learn to um, bend with the wind. Yeah. And you have to be willing to give a little and to be able to lose some control. Right. right? It doesn't mean uproot yourself. But if you don't, if you try to remain stiff, the mm-hmm. wind will have its way. Yeah. And it's yeah, learning actually, to adapt yeah. and be flexible with the ebb and flow of life. Yeah. And that, in essence, is what what essentially is giving up control and trying not to it's kind of the go with the flow, but in a educated manner. Right. You know, I always tell people. Like to not fall apart. Yeah, either. don't fall apart yeah. and just don't let things happen totally to chance because there are oftentimes you can make decisions that, that can help you to maintain a sense mm-hmm. of predictability. Right. But at the same time, there's things that you can't. And there's certain things you just got to let time and, 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 and space kind of have its way. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's part of it. But, I mean, you even look at this in terms of um, giving up control as it relates to, you know, um, you know, we do this in, in certain respects because I tell people we rely on experts a lot. Yeah. And so when you rely on experts, uh, you're essentially giving up control. Yeah. You're not making a decision. You are ceding control to another individual. Right. For whatever reason. 
um, as I tell people, I, I cede control of my my retirement plan to my financial advisor <laughs> yeah. because I'm pretty lousy at it. Yeah. If I did it myself, I'd probably be in the hole, I think, right now. Right. But the idea is that, I, you know, you cede some control, but you're not ceding complete control. Mm-hmm. And the same thing we do that with, with other things. And this also applies even on a larger standpoint of how we cede control to what, what our information is, what, what we believe, who we trust, um, who, are, who are trusted sources for information. Right. Um, I think sometimes we, we get overly, um, we give up, we go kind of what I call, we check our brains at the door. Yeah. And, we, and we allow either certain health professionals, professors, experts, media to, um, individuals to decide what is true and what is not. Right. Instead and of questioning. Instead of questioning yeah. and asking questions to where do they get that? What, you know, are they really telling me the truth? Um, I think sometimes giving up control in that situation can be somewhat harmful, but also learning to trust people. It's, it's part of it. You, you've got to let, rely on people because none of us can get through life all by ourselves. Right. That's a good point. So then um, in the sense of giving up control as a more sense of um, freedom, then what would the relationship between freedom and control be? Well, I think it's kind of an interesting thing about freedom. What is freedom? You know, the freedom to do what you want. Is it the freedom to feel at peace? Is it what, what is it that, that, that it is? And, you know, it's kind of interesting. I think I had, you know, I have students read an article related to uh, extreme sports, yeah. right. And they, they, about people who go uh, kayak over waterfalls or they do, you know, yeah. free, free style rock climbing, you know, with no ropes. And, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and just, you know, you look at that and you go, who you're crazy. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of interesting because they do it for a sense of freedom, a mm-hmm. sense of being outside of the norms of what society is telling them what they should or shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And I always say when people use the term should, it's a, it's a control term, yeah. right? You yeah. should do this. Well, that, essentially, you're, t- you're trying to control me. Yeah. And we I, hear that all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. A lot of people will tell you should. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a control word. So whenever you hear it, that person is trying to control whatever it is that mm-hmm. you think or do. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and in some cases, feel about things. Um, but the, the the notion behind the sort of the extreme sports is that when you go through a level of, um, you know, preparation, it's a, essence, it's a life and death situation. Because, yeah. you, you know, they're, they're putting their lives at risk, but they do it in a controlled manner. Yeah. Right. They do a lot of prep. They do a lot of background. Right. They have the skills. And at, but at some point they have to relinquish control. Yeah. Because they are at the mercy of the waterfall, they are at the mercy of the of the wall, the, the yeah. climbing. <laughs> they're at the mercy of all sorts of things, and they and this is when they report that they feel most free, that yeah. they feel a sense of unbound, uh, um, unboundedness, if you will. Yeah. But I think those those types of situations are are important, and I think it's important that people get to a point where they don't feel like they have to control everything, and that and that they can kind of uh, experience life as sort of right. as it's meant yeah. to be. Um, not that you're going to have this type of experience 24 seven because yeah. that's not possible. Yeah. But the idea is there's, there's moments to create those moments in your life when you can give out a sense of control, when you can be out there and just say, you know, I really am not in control of anything. I was telling a story about this one individual who was sailing across the, the Atlantic oh, and yeah. a solo sail. And they're in the middle of the Atlantic and they're by themselves. The sea was calm right? Middle of the Atlantic mm-hmm. where they were. They look up, it's a clear night. All they see is the, is the boundless stars everywhere. Yeah. And it's the, the moon is shining, the stars are glowing and they realize how small and insignificant they are. Yeah. 
And that is sort of one of those aha moments where mm -hmm. you realize you really don't have a lot of control yeah. over much, <laughs> yeah. right? And now they're sitting there looking at the expanse, but it was sort of those euphoric moments where this particular individual cited how good it felt, you know, that they yeah. realized even though you felt so significant, you felt so at peace and relaxed. Right. Right. And it was, it's sort of, it's, and, and that I think uh, those type of situations where people can capture that they get that sense of freedom mm -hmm. to kind of get yourself unhindered from the day-to-day -day grind right right and the small stuff yeah, yeah the things you're trying to control day-to-day -day yeah. and hour to hour all right that can be somewhat um wearing on people over time oh yeah especially because that's like non-stop well yeah sometimes. i mean yeah it's like this. I, I i give the example of the milgram obedience study right yeah you know how why you know this kind of the way of people seeding control but mm -hmm. maybe not for a good thing right, right. Um, the Milgram obedience study was really about people um, ceding control in their lives to an expert who told them to shock people, right? right? Um, based on their command or their response, the subject's response to a series of questions, yeah. their accuracy of re responses. And if they didn't get it right, they would shock them. And then if they would repeat it, they get more mistakes they made, the more shocks they got. Right. Well, the whole point about that study, which would never be approved today because yes. of either <laughs> but, yeah. but the notion is, is that... Um, the people seated control, but in essence, many of them suffered a, a fair amount of distress in those situations. Yeah. Um, the people who had some kind of what I call moral um, development, mm -hmm. right, who said, I'm not going to do this to a person, tended to exercise, exert control in those situations and said no to something they did not agree with, mm -hmm. right, makes made them, they actually had better outcomes yeah. in certain respects. Whereas the people who seated control would have. Right, like completely, yeah. And this is the same thing too, as I was mentioning before. When you cede control to the media, right, to mm -hmm. tell them to tell you what life is all about, or telling what you should worry about and what you shouldn't worry about. Yeah. Um, I find it very interesting right now with the coronavirus going around, right, oh, or yeah. being the talk. How I call it media malpractice, but they're essentially trying to control people's view of what the risk factors are, mm -hmm. rather than looking at the science or the evidence. So, right. which expert are you going to listen to? Right. So, if you cede control to the media you will get whatever the media wants you to believe and say. Mm -hmm. So essentially that could be a new thing every day, and honestly. It, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and it can be extremely stressful yeah. and, and your level of threat and stress can be quite high. Mm -hmm. um, and these are when people need to be more cognizant of who they listen to and what they do. And that right. that's a whole, for a whole nother discussion. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I think a lot of people are manipulated by all sorts of things in that way by seeding control mm -hmm. too much. But there's also things that during the day and certain things in your life that you can see control yeah. and get that sense of freedom. Yeah, it's finding that balance. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so is there anything else you want to say, I guess, to wrap things up for today? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that, that I think people need to understand is that control is a central theme in stress mm -hmm. and how humans respond to stress. We do try to control things on a regular basis and we try to really make things as predictable as possible. And, it, and it's not something you're going to give up lightly, right? right and, you're yeah. not, and it's not something I would recommend that you do give up you know, yeah. in, in entirety. Right. But what we do need to do, uh, kind of be cognizant of and kind of self-reflective of is to look at when is our desire for control becoming problematic? Right. And when is it in creating problems and additional stressors in relationships, mm -hmm. at work, Right. I tell micromanagement is the kiss of death oh, and it's and it's yes. control uh, yeah. on steroids sometimes when manager wants to control what all their mm -hmm. their, 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 their subordinates are doing. 
that can become really problematic. Yeah. So even within workplaces and your, your job function, relationships, families, mm-hmm. um, those things, you need to kind of look at it and ask yourself the question, am I really desiring too much control in mm-hmm. my life? And maybe I need to reassess that and learn some things I maybe need to surrender and other things I can commit to or, yeah. you know, and deal with. But some things I may need to say, you know what, I'm going to give up and seize control mm-hmm. in those areas. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again for this week and we will see you next time. All right. Thank you. <laughs>